This is Beyond the Bell Tower, where an elite group of North Carolina State University students give us a behind-the-scenes look at their steps to success in attaining even the loftiest goals. These students, who are in the top 10% in the country, are active in student support services at NC State. These students are low-income and first-generation NC State students. Nationally, this population has a 10% graduation rate. NC State students have a graduation rate over 90% and go on to become doctors, dentists, accountants, engineers. They work at Google, Apple, and the NCAA. Some have even earned PhDs at Ivy League colleges. These students go well beyond the bell tower to attain their imminent goals. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond the Bell Tower, Season 6, Episode 5. I'm your host, Joshua Wright, and we're excited to be back in person again. Uh, we're excited for the new semester. A new load of videos coming up, so you guys stay tuned, but we're glad that you're back with us. And today, we have two very special guests. We have Krupa Barodia and Kalise Johnson with us, who are two NC State juniors. Uh, we're glad to have them with us and we're just going to learn about them. Today we're going to be talking about internship experiences, a little bit of research, and just uh, extracurricular outside of academics, which is really exciting considering the careers that they want to get into. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, ladies, let's start off by telling everyone where you all are from and what you all study at NC State. So feel free, whoever wants to go first. Okay. So, um, I am currently a junior at NC State. I'm studying Africana Studies and Public Health with a concentration in the Social Determinants of Health and Health Policy with a minor in Environmental Health. Um, I'm from Cary, North Carolina. I'm a junior. Um, my major is Business Administration with a concentration in Marketing, and I have minors in Environmental Science and Political Science. Aspirations. Wow, that's great. Um, why NC State? It's just close to my house, and it's like kind of all I ever knew. And then since we graduated in the pandemic, I wasn't really like trying to go so far away. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know why I chose NC mm -hmm. State, but I'm happy that I ended up here. Okay, how about you? Um, for me, graduating in the, in the middle of the pandemic was a what a time to be alive. So I had a mm -hmm. top option in North Carolina. I did know that I wanted to stay uh, close to my family um, for personal reasons. And so I had a choice of UNC Charlotte, but um, right before the May 1st deadline, like on April 30th, I remember it vividly, NC State sent me my financial aid award and it was, it covered everything. So there that's you go. why I chose there you NC have State. That's great. So of all of the years here, so you guys are juniors. Yeah, that means you're in third year. COVID kind of messed that up a little bit, but of what you've experienced, what's been your favorite experience at NC State so far? Um, I would say that my favorite experience at NC State so far has been um, studying abroad with mm -hmm. Pool Global in Copenhagen. Um, I think there was really nothing else like it. I know it's technically not at NC State, but yeah, I believe, part that, of it. Yeah, I believe that NC State helped me get there and yeah. they really supported me in that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. My favorite experience would have to be the basketball games at NC State. I really love just the atmosphere of being like surrounded by students and other NC State fans. Like I love the culture around sports and I wasn't into sports at all, like in high school and stuff. So it was just nice being able to just be present in that moment and like really push for the team. 
Yeah, we take athletics um, pretty seriously here. Do you have a favorite game that you've been to? Or can you remember? Or oh, just yes. in general? Um, I like all of the basketball games, but in particular, I don't remember the name of the school. I think it was Nebraska. Yep. But yeah, yeah, okay, it was the basketball game against um, Nebraska last year, and we went into double overtime. Four overtimes. Oh, four. Be, yeah. Yeah, because I had to leave early because we yeah. kept going into overtime. I should have left early. Yeah, yeah, but I remember the basketball players, like, we were arguing and stuff, and I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that was that was a that was a long game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you guys both mentioned you starting college during COVID, uh, fall of 2020. What was that like, you know? And how did you guys feel about that? It was definitely hard getting adjusted, like having um, a freshman orientation like on Zoom, and then like the time that would have been spent like building relationships and getting to know other um, freshmen on campus, it was more of just like, here's these videos, we're gonna talk about this. And then like hearing the um, ambassadors at the time that were working with us say like, oh, this is my favorite place on campus, like Tally, but we aren't there to like see yeah. it. We don't know what Tally is. And yeah. so they'll be like, oh, you'll just see when you come back, like when you come on campus, hopefully you'll get to experience this. So it was like being in a field of like the unknown and then really just being like still separated by yeah. a virtual screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I would say the same. Um, I was actually a Spring Connect student, so I didn't start okay. until January 2021. Okay. Um, but that also was just a lot of uncertainty. Um, but everybody was doing the best that they could at the time. Yeah. So with you all starting pretty much online, when did you all first have your like first experiences like in the classroom? So I actually had a class in fall 2020 when they like made us like sit in one seat, skip two, yeah, sit in yeah, one yeah, seat. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I would say, but I don't really consider that like my first right. in-class experience. I would say fall 2021 um, is when I started like taking classes more directed towards my major, my Africana Studies major, and connecting with the professor like in the classroom and like working with other students. Yeah. So. Yeah. So fall 2020 was actually my first semester at NC State too because I'm a transfer student. And so um, that was tough for me transferring during that time, just like I'm sure it was for you, you know, starting school at that time, making those connections. But I definitely got the in-person experience the next year, fall 2021. So that's been, I've enjoyed it so far. And I'm glad I made the decision because I really like NC State. Um, so now let's get into your research, your internship opportunities. Um, Khalees, we'll start with you. Um, so could you talk a little bit about um, your interest within Africana studies and um, public health and where you see yourself going with that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so my interest lies in Africana studies. Just growing up, um, I was always very STEM heavy. Like when I came to state, I was on the pre-med track and you know, on the track to be a doctor. I graduated high school with my associate's degree. So it was like, come here for two years. And, you know, I'm supposed to go to medical school, top of my class, follow that guideline. And in high school, I knew I had a different interest in like the way I thought and the way I looked at different things. And so that's kind of where I took a class, African-American literature, and that kind of solidified my idea of like, okay, yeah, I want to study African studies, just studying black thought, understanding how I think differently, how um, historically African-Americans were viewed as like not having thoughts, like we were just looked at as objects. And so exploring how that transition through history has like been my connection and learning community studies through that too um, definitely is how I was perspired. And so public health 
led to African studies led into public health because I still am very science based. Um, I love learning, like want to get my PhD. So learning that and then understanding how I think as a social scientist and not just a scientist and connecting the two different worlds to see how that I can make change in the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And um, I was just about to ask how you plan on, you know, combining the two majors, you know, African studies and public health. Is there like a specific path that you see yourself on right now or just still figuring it out? I'm still figuring it out, but it's becoming clearer and clearer each day. Right now I'm working in environmental justice, which is focused on um, serving underserved communities, like historically underserved communities, so black and brown folks, Native American communities, um, working with them to see how like their environments affect their health. And so that's more the role that I'm like leading into. And so in that role, you need to learn how to, you know, work with communities and understand um, people and their perspectives differently. And so that's how they're merging together right now. So that's like the field I'm heading into. Okay, great. So while you're on campus, Khalees is an AYA ambassador with the African American Cultural Center. So can you talk a little bit about what that is and um, why you chose the African American Cultural Center to work at um, and your, how, it's, how, how would you say it's impacted your um, time at NC State so far being in that role? Yeah, um, working as an AYA ambassador has been, I would say, life-changing um just learning the different things in that role like learning how to facilitate conversations looking at my blackness as an art and a love and a passion versus just looking at it as a identity but looking at it as how it evolves into a certain identity in other fields um has definitely been like very reflective into who I am and as a person. So I learned a lot through that role, learning how to create community, learning how to facilitate. That's what we were work- I was working on before I came here. And so working within that role, I just know that it's helping me become a better leader and it's leading me to um, promote change. And so I chose the African American Culture Center because as a student, um, coming in like COVID and then having to leave and coming back, the African American Culture Center was one of the few places where I felt comfortable, like finding a space where I could speak up for myself. They hosted a lot of events that I was um, interested in. And so I just kind of made the decision that I wanted to be a part of that. And so, yeah, that's how I ended up working there. And so, so far in your time at NC State, have you taken a class that's kind of um, related to racial development or racial history in general and leadership. Have you taken one of those yet? Yeah, I've taken um, a lot of courses, like in particular to um, like African studies and leadership. Off the top of my head, I remember um, it was called Leadership in African American Communities. I took that one. Yeah, that's the course I took. With Dr. Reynolds? um, Yes. Okay. Yeah, I had to think, I was like, uh, yes. But um, I love that course. I did take it online though last okay. spring, uh, spring 21, but I still loved it. Like I learned so many things about like um, who actually led like yeah. the March on Washington and how like that was formed. And that like, I think that really like changed my view of like yeah. leadership in the definition of like invisible, invisible leadership, like how transformational it can be because like learning about the leaders who led before Dr. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King, how like he wouldn't be who he was without them. Mm-hmm. And so that was like so important because those are like our, I would say our invisible leaders and like yeah. our invisible ancestors. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up. I actually took it at the same time, oh. just in person though. Oh, okay. So I was in the in-person section. Okay. But um, yeah, that was a really informative class because 
you know, growing up, you hear a lot about the Martin Luther Kings, mm -hmm. the Booker T. Washingtons, yeah. and those guys that were, you know, kind of in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. But this class kind of went into those that were in the background yeah. and how important their roles were in getting us where we are today. So I like that class a lot, too. Um, as we go forward, you'll realize that these ladies have a lot of experience in different places. So we're just going to tap into that a little bit. Uh, you've worked with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention with the John R. Lewis Undergraduate Public Health Scholars Program. Can you describe what that is, um, where is it, and how you've gotten in contact with that program? Yes, so um, that program is uh, one of the top uh, public health internships in the country, which is for uh, students who know they have an interest within public health, mm -hmm. but they don't know exactly what route they want to take. Um, how I actually found that program is how I also met Karupa. Um, through TRIO, my TRIO advisor was like, um, I told her I'm like interested, I want to be a social scientist, but I don't know how that can work with also being a scientist within public health. And she recommended me this program, and they have five different locations across the country, and she was like, um, apply to all of them. Like, you just need to be accepted into at least one. So I was like, okay. Um, but at the time, each program does differ, and so I looked at the descriptions, and like before I submitted my application, I was like, okay, Columbia University is the one I want to get accepted into. And so um, I kind of just, I would say I manifested that. Like, I wrote it down, like, I want to go to the Columbia location, and I got accepted into the Columbia um, university location in the University of Michigan and so I had to end up deciding and I chose um, Columbia. Okay cool so what was that like living in New York City? An experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being from the south in the suburbs yeah. like um, realizing how people live differently. Um, I had to stay in a dorm. I was used to like having my own bathroom. I went to sharing a bathroom with 14 other people and sharing a kitchen with 14 other people for two months in New York City and staying in, staying in a dorm that didn't have like central air conditioning, mm -hmm. like we had window air conditioning. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the thing like really got going and like I had like an allergic reaction at one point and, um, but it was an experience. I definitely loved it. It was, we did like me and my friend group, we did different things every weekend like while we were there. And I think that's like the most important thing that I learned like just trying new things like I tried things I didn't even know I was like canoeing in Central Park mm. and so that was like something I never expected that I'll be able to do and so it, it was just a nice experience. So do you think you could live there? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't give myself longer than six months okay. because as someone who wants to work in environmental justice they have a lot of uh, New York City and being a city and being very crowded if you don't have the financial background mm -hmm. to live in a place where you have enough space to breathe in mm -hmm. uh you know breathe great breathable air it mm -hmm. can really take an effect on you like um luckily my dorm was like right near a park but the park right on the other side of it was a highway and so um it was like i would walk around there sometimes but then it, like i said when i had an allergic reaction that's when i kind of like snapped into reality because i was like in between manhattan and harlem and I could kind of see like the disparities okay. that are there. Okay. So within your time within this program, um, what do you think you learned about yourself as a future professional? Oh, <laughs> I have like a book. <laughs> I can write about how much I learned. Um, and that program really taught me a lot. I think it came to me in a point in my life where I needed it to happen. And so I learned that 
I need to speak up for myself. I need to do what makes me happy. I need to be authentic in my work. I don't need to follow anybody's pathway or leadership. Like, yes, you can have mentors, but your mentors are just mentors. They're like advisees. You don't have to do exactly what they did to be exactly like, you know, successful. And mm -hmm. I think as a first gen, like not knowing that there's so many different pathways out there that you get lost in like trying to do everything like the person that you look up mm -hmm. to right. when you just realize that you're not supposed to do that like they did that for a reason you have your life to do whatever you want to yeah. do for they serve as kind of like a guideline yeah. but not, not the your you're path. not a duplicate yeah copy so yeah that makes a lot of sense and you talked about <laughs> mentorship how did the mentorship you know how did it help you towards your goals do you see yourself staying on that path after the program the same path that you went in with you know those same ideas that you went into the program with. oh no it helped me a lot i would say going into the program i was like pressuring myself like i need to have a plan like i was like mm -hmm. going from having a plan of like you know graduating two years going to medical school getting into the field i was like i need to have a plan and then when i left i was like what is a plan like <laughs> i'm gonna just be present in the time that i have and so i think that's what i learned like the most and my mentors um shout out to them they were both black women and um they just really helped me like be solidified in that idea like it's okay not to have a plan but you need to be intentional about yeah. the time that you do have so i think that's like the biggest lesson they taught me so cooper let's talk about your uh experiences outside of nc state um she spent last summer at the white house so let's talk a little bit about what you did there as an intern um, I was an intern in the Office of Management and Budget, working in the Human Capital team. Um, I helped basically working on whatever projects they had going on. One of my main projects was to um, rearrange the employee performance website mm -hmm. and make it more organized, as well as planning and executing a performance awards ceremony with um, one of my team members, as well as creating a strategic plan with another team member. Um, so I really feel like I got a diversity of experiences from yeah. working with everybody on the team. And that's that's quite the experience to have. When I when I found your page on LinkedIn, shouts to LinkedIn, um, <laughs> I was like, wow, she worked at the White. That's really cool. So how did you even find like an, an opportunity like that? Um, I actually got it in an email. Like I was in some random mailing list um, hmm. and I opened it up and I saw that the deadline was like in a couple of days um, and I was actually traveling. I was studying abroad at the time and I wasn't going to apply and then I did and I forgot about it and then it came back in my email for an interview. Nice. So. so what did this experience kind of teach you about making connections in high places? Because were you able to hold on to some of these connections that mm -hmm. you made in the White House? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it taught me that as a young person, the best thing that you can do for yourself is just to learn from everybody that came before you. Um, and then also along the way, just make friendships. Not only is your supervisor your boss, but your supervisor can also just be a mentor, a friend. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of apply that with like, my professors um, and everybody else at state. I just feel like it can be, it's more than just like, I'm teaching you. It could be like your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. That's a great reflection. And then also, <laughs> um, you mentioned study abroad. 
So where did you study? When did you study? And um, how was your experience overall? Um, I studied at Copenhagen Business School in Copenhagen, Denmark. Okay. And I was gone for about five months in spring 2022. Um, and my experience overall is great. Um, it's the best decision I ever made. And, and it taught me so much more than I think I like could think that I could learn in the span of five months. Mm. Yeah. So why would you consider it the best decision? Um, I had never moved out of my house mm -hmm. um, because of the pandemic. I never mm -hmm. moved out. And then I also didn't sign a lease my second year because I was planning on going abroad. So it was my first time moving away from my family. It was my first time being on a plane by myself. It was my first time in Europe. It was my first time living alone and like everything. Um, which sounds stressful, but I got there and everything like fell into place because yeah. I, don't, I just have a lot more confidence in myself and my ability to figure things out than I did before I'd gone. And that's why I think everybody should have an experience like that. So it helped you to grow up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that sounds really important. I've never I've never studied abroad, but I've always been interested in what that experience was like. So in terms of like, you know, some of the classes that you do, you said you um, studied at the business school there. Mm -hmm. So what was that like and how would you compare it to, you know, your classes at NC State? Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit different because they don't have a set schedule. Classes mm -hmm. meet kind of whenever they want. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like, you know how we have like Mondays and Tuesdays, 10-15 and 10-15, mm -hmm. or like Mondays, sorry, Mondays and Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. um, it could it's like differing times and days, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then they also do like a quarter system and a semester system. So you can take classes that run through the whole semester or some that are just in the quarter. Um, and then the biggest difference is that the grade entirely depends on the final exam. Entirely? Entirely. Which no. didn't pan out so well for me in a particular course. Um, <laughs> But I learned, and um, I think that doing business globally is something that I really was interested in, um, and those courses definitely helped me get a better gauge of how I can have an impact in like the global business world, but also in the field of public service globally. So what did you learn about doing business or conducting business globally? Um, conducting business globally is a lot different um, because of cultural differences. Um, obviously like currency differences and because it's just a little bit more difficult to understand um, people globally unless you've had that experience before and so I'm grateful to learn more about one of the courses I took was international marketing and learning mm -hmm. about how different products would um, work out in different markets based on the cultural um, aspects of each country and stuff like that. Okay. Cool. So this one is kind of for the bo both of you. Um, how would you say your past experiences, whether they're related to school or outside of school, or you know your origins, how would how have they impacted you know your future aspirations or future desires for your career? Um. <laughs> You're good. I would say that my experiences um, as a first gen. Um, have it impacted my career in the sense that I just know I can't fail. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't not do good with what I have. Um, 
and then I would say with my experience studying abroad and my internship at the White House and subsequently the Obama Chesky stuff and the State Department is like, I know I want to go into the field of public service and be okay. a public servant because I know that I want to help people, um, particularly in education policy and then in the long term, I'm interested in human rights law. Um, I think that the background sort of instills like the need to just be a good person and yeah. do like make something of yourself. Okay. Um, for me, I learned that um, success is met with preparation, and um, it's kind of the merger between op opportunity and preparation equals success. And so I feel like all of my past experiences have been preparing me and are preparing me to reach the high goals that I have and the success that I want to have one day. So they have just really shaped, like Kuru kind of said, now they're like, I can't fail, but I like I won't fail in a mm -hmm. not a cocky way, but like mm -hmm. I won't fail because I'm creating a future for myself through yeah. these experiences and through this preparation. You're you're manifesting. You're you're yeah. gonna go get it yeah. no matter the challenge. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, so you all are looking at two Obama Chesky Voyager scholars, and we'll get into what that is here in a little bit. What that really means, but it's this prestigious program, and they were two two of 100 people that were selected to take part of it. So what was it like working with, and this is for either one of you, um, what was it like working with the Obama Foundation? And can you all describe kind of what the, what the scholarship or what the program is um, in general for us to know? Um, working with the Obama Foundation, um, it has been an experience, um, one that is not what you would expect. Um, so within the Obama Foundation, he, well, the Obama Foundation, they have uh, other leadership programs. So like they have um, Obama Leaders Africa, Obama Leaders uh, Europe, and now they're opening a program with the Obama Leaders USA. And so these are um, people that are over the age of 25 working towards um, social and um, public service change within their uh, home country um, or, you know, continent. And so in those like working with them, we were able to connect with those and become a part of like this Obama Foundation family. And so that was really um, an experience that I wasn't expecting to take part of because like other scholarships that I've received, I thought it was just gonna be like my scholarship cohort. But um, yeah. while we were um, in New York this previous uh, November, we got to um, interact with those leaders and learn, learn about their causes and where they're committing to change across okay. the world. Okay, that's great. Um, can you all talk about your specific programs? Because were you all a part of the same program within it, or did you guys have different focuses? Um, each of the 100 Voyagers has a different focus area. Okay. Um, there are some focus areas that, like education or criminal justice reform, stuff like that, they have more Voyagers that are interested in completing um, a summer voyage in that focus area. Okay. Um, but we are all part of the same cohort, but we all care about different focus areas and are looking for a public service career that's like long term in that focus area. Okay, so what were your focus areas? Um, mine is education, um, particularly women's education across Asia and Africa. Um, and I had chosen it because I believe that women's education and empowerment has the potential to solve the rest of the world's problems because mm -hmm. 
education equality, equity, and like quality is the necess is the necessary okay. mm -hmm. <laughs> is the necessary um, like catalyst for change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about yours? Um, so my focus area is environmental justice and um, nutritional disease within public health. So looking at how um, African-American communities have been affected by their environment, like how their health is just affected by their environment. Okay. So it's the Obama Chesky Voyager Scholars. Did you all get to meet them? Mm -hmm. What was that like? And where did you all meet? Oh, so we met uh, this previous November in okay. New York City. Um, so at the Voyager Fall Summit, um, it was all of us in one room. We got to connect, learn about different focus areas. Um, like Rupert said, some of them do overlap. And so I remember there was a time where we had to separate um, into like groups in the health-related uh, Voyagers. Like we had like one table for like eight seats and it dispersed into three tables. And then we had um, some educational policy, criminal justice reform, reform um, and like global change. And so it was just really nice seeing how passionate that each Voyager was about their service okay. area. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. That's great. I would just add that um, the best part of the program has been for me um, connecting with my peers who care about the same things and knowing that there's other students similar to me who care about the similar things and then through this program I met Khalees and I had never known another trio student before mm -hmm. and it's been great because we can talk about similar things and talk about the change we want to make um, and that was for me the best part of New York. So you all didn't know each other before? Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Yeah, so you all make connections right here locally. In regard to public service, you know, how do you all plan to contribute to public service going forward, you know, within your desired careers? Going forward, um, long term, I'm not 100% sure, but mm -hmm. I can tell you that next month um, I am moving to Washington, D.C. again to intern at the State Department in the Office to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons. Wow. Um, I'll be working in intergovernmental affairs and public engagement. Um, yep. And this is something that aligns with my long-term public service career goals because I really care about human rights law um, and human rights violations. Obviously, human trafficking is a violation of human rights. Um, and I'm really excited to be working with the State Department to sort of push the U.S.'s mission to and trafficking globally. And in the long term, I'm hoping to end up somewhere doing educational policy or human rights law. Um, and I know that I want to be doing something globally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, for me, long term, I know that um, health policy is something that I'm really big and um, focused on improving for underserved communities. So I really want to focus on my life as a scientist that influences um, health policy and working directly with um, governmental agencies and private um, companies and understanding how they control health, like health policy and mm -hmm. working to show them like the research, the data, the science um, behind why uh, health policy needs to be changed. And so I know that will lead me based on like my strong mindset to um, having my own laboratory one day that's not connected to an academic institution, just mm. being myself and then hopefully being a mentor to those that follow me. So you all both 
have these great experiences that you've come by as college students and it sounds to me like it's taken a lot in terms of looking for those opportunities. Can you all talk about a little bit what is it that drives your confidence in going out and applying for these prestigious internships and experiences a little bit? Um, for me, I would say that it's, um, I just want to see what's, what can happen if I don't give up. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, I want to like tap into the potential that I might have. Um, and I would, I always tell myself like the opportunity wouldn't be there if I wasn't ready for it. Mm -hmm. For me, um, my confidence comes from my grandmother, um, in particular in my um, parents. Um, I'm a first generation college student and knowing that my grandmother um, only had an eighth grade education and then she raised um, my dad and his um, four brothers, um, like, you know, all by, all by herself. She was a, a single mother. And then um, she luckily was in my life for a good portion of my childhood. And she just really motivated me to be authentic and just seeing that she was able to still push past the challenges and the obstacles that she faced and like make something out of herself and her children was like really, um, is really like motivating for me. And also, um, like I said, I'm first gen, but my parents have never, given me an excuse to give up. Um, I've seen them push through things that I don't think I personally make it through. Um, with my mom, she um, was diagnosed with breast cancer recently and like she's still here, she's cancer free and she's living her life and she's always there for me. Like she doesn't make an excuse not to be there for me. And so that was like, that's really what's motivating me to like continue like what they have poured into me and seeing like where that potential will lead to. But mostly like I can't, just waste everything they poured into me. Um. Yeah, that's really encouraging. And I'm glad you shared that because it's kind of like the going, going forward even through challenges. And I see that as really important. So that's great in your story. Um, do, you guys, do you guys say you would have ever, you know, suffered from imposter syndrome a little bit growing up, like before you got to college? Because clearly now you got it, right? You guys have these opportunities. You know how to seek them. You know how to make these connections. But before this time, was there ever a time where you were like a little unconfident of yourselves, um, feeling like you couldn't do it? A little bit of imposter syndrome there? Um, yeah, all the time. Um, I would say that I personally still face imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, but, you know, the advice that I have to give regarding imposter syndrome is that you know, you're, you are where you're meant to be. Um, and then obviously, like I said, the opportunity wouldn't be there if you weren't ready for it. Um, it is really hard to try and get yourself out of the mindset that you're not good enough for whatever it is that you're seeking. And then also just being first gen is like, not like if something hasn't been done before and you haven't seen it, you don't know that it's a possibility for you. So hmm. yeah, I would just say, Ignore it and then okay. just keep going at it and then okay. you'll be fine. How about you? Um, I would say also I definitely still now face uh, imposter syndrome, even with like getting the Obama Chetsky scholarship. I would say in a way, I kind of manifested that. Mm -hmm. I was going to get it like when I applied to it, I usually like stress or have like anxiety surrounding like the programs I applied to and I'm like on edge waiting for an email. But I remember I like submitted my application. It was like a two month gap. It was between like June and August that we found out 
um, that we got the award. And I remember I was like, oh, it's okay. Like, I already know I have it. But then when I got it, my insecurities just started coming directly mm -hmm. to my face. And I immediately was like, oh, it was only by luck. It was only by chance. Um, they, like, only chose me because um, of these in particular, like, because I have potential, not because of what I already have. Yeah. And so um, suffering from imposter syndrome is challenging. Like Ruby said, as a first-generation college student, if you've never seen it, you don't know that it's a possibility. Mm -hmm. So seeing that and learning how to, like, like you said, ignore it, because you just have to ignore that, like, small little voice in your head, and you just have to say, well, this is what I want, and I'm going to get it. And I think that's something that I know I personally took um, like for my family, as I talked about my parents and my grandmother, it was just like, there's no excuse to getting what you want because you can create your future. Mm -hmm. And that voice in your head can be active. Mm -hmm. It really can. So um, pushing past it, that sounds very uh, good advice for those who suffer from um, those things like imposter syndrome. Listen, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Uh, you guys are the first episode of the semester, so you should feel honored. Mm -hmm. um, but no, we're honored to have you all, and we're glad that you decided to come. Um, before I let you go, we have some crazy questions. Top takes is what we call them. And just to kind of get a, a sense of who you are outside of the school realm. So um, let's go ahead and get started. Feel free to go in or any order. You know, first thing that comes to mind, whoever has it first, go. Sure. Um, of all the places you have traveled, which is your favorite? Um, that is a very hard question. <laughs> Good. Um, obviously... Copenhagen holds a very special place in my heart, um, but apart from that, um, Tromso in Norway, which is the Arctic capital, um, was most special to me because I saw the Northern Lights and I saw a shooting star for the first time, oh. and the lights weren't dancing when they like move, they call it that they're dancing, um, and the star went by and I was like, I, they were like, make a wish. And I was like, okay, I wish the lights would start dancing. And then the lights started dancing. And wow. then I felt like I was in a movie, and that is why it's my favorite place. Okay, okay, how about you? Um, my summer before my sophomore year, um, me and my family went to um, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and that would be my favorite vacation. Um, mm, not favorite vacation, favorite place to travel to, because I'm going to go back. Mm -hmm. But... Um, that was my favorite because um, there, like, I, me and my dad, we did so much together. We went ATV riding. Um, I was swimming, and this is a particular moment in my life. I had just jumped off a 10-foot cliff mm. in the middle of a forest, and I had busted my lip open because of the impact. And my adrenaline was rushing, and I didn't feel it. And so then I remember I just laid back, and I was floating in the middle of this waterfall, um, in the middle of the forest, like literally, like I hiked t into the middle of the forest and it was like little fishies and they were swimming around me. And so I just remember that time, like just being at peace and realizing like where I was, like I was literally in the middle of the forest. Okay. Oh no, there's been an accident and you all are stuck on an island with a TV <laughs> and three movies. What are you taking with you? I mean, well, obviously you can't plan for that. What are you watching? What are your three movies? The three movies that I would watch would be The Princess and the Frog, mm -hmm. um, Coco, and the third movie I was having a trouble time like choosing. It can be a TV show too. I was going to say, it's not a movie. But uh, I binge watched this my freshman uh, 
not my freshman, sophomore winter break before exams mm-hmm. when I was supposed to be studying for exams, BMF um, on Hulu. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't watch many movies, but I would say that my movies that I would watch on this island would probably be Moana, one of them, because I feel like she could help me get off the island if okay. I watched the movie enough. That's um, a good one. She's a very knowledgeable young woman. Um, Matilda, and because it's just a childhood comfort movie. Yeah. Um, and then Interstellar because it's just kind of epic, and I feel like I would really enjoy having like a Christopher Nolan film on this island, just talk looking at space and stuff because I'm on an island and I don't know, I'm not getting off. Okay. So listening to you all made me want to answer it too. I got um, <laughs> coming to America. Um, I like Johnson Family Vacation. And you like that movie? yeah, that's a good movie. I think so. Um, <laughs> And then I'm gonna take a TV show, The Office. You gotta no, take. I love The Office. Um, it's rewatchable. You can just do it again. Yeah. So that those are what I'm taking. Um, what is one app that you all would each create? So is there like a hobby that you all have that you could create an app out of it? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um. A hobby. What do we do for joy? I would say, <laughs> I would say for me, I like to read a lot. Okay. So um, an app that like I was thinking of in my mind was like creating an app for readers that like schedules your time. Like it looks at your calendar during the day and sees oh. the time where you can like read. And it can be like just for 30 minutes, but like the app reminds you to like, okay, it's time to read, like pick up on this chapter. Like this is where you last left off. And then also it would have like reflection questions based on the book because it's good to write after you read something so you can like communicate your ideas and like critical think. And that's how you become a better critical thinker. But just starting with a blank canvas can be hard sometimes. So like if like an author uploaded their book in, I'm a book. I'm a big bookie, and so at the back of many books, there are prompt questions to talk about, like in book clubs, but putting those questions in the app so readers can answer them yeah. when they finish. That's a good one. That's a great answer. Yeah. Um, one of my hobbies is to paint. Okay. Um, I like to do like little watercolor things, or like I'll get a canvas and do like, and it's not like good work, but it's like, it's fun. It's a hobby, so it's not supposed to be perfect. Um, but I don't really know how that would sh- end up like on an app, but I think maybe we could do like some kind of, um, like it teaches you okay. how to paint a certain thing. I'm sure it exists. And it comes with uh, these different models that you can sketch. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So these little so templates. Like okay, I like it, I like it. And then it. it would help like boost the confidence of like not only people who have the hobby, but like kids who want to paint as, okay. you know, kids. Yeah, pretty, yeah, okay. Um, last but not least, the first thing you would buy if you won the lottery is what? Let's put it at, um, $425 million. Okay. It has to be one thing? Or can I one. Okay. Oh, well, well, what do you mean? Like, can I list out, like, how I would spend, spend the money? Yeah, let's bring, let's bring out the calculator, you know, let's draw some spreadsheets. Mm. You list out how you would spend like, it. Can I break it down? How I would spend it? 
Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. Okay, so the first thing I would purchase. <clears throat> Got it ready. This is a long, detailed answer. I would buy a 4x4 Jeep Wrangler with a 6-inch country lift, all black, with the, um, I think it's like the all black wheels with the, the rims. With the spikes on it. Oh, the all black with red and black interior with my name on the um, engraved on the seats with uh, butt warmers and the uh, hard shell top. And then after I buy myself that, I would uh, take 50% of the earnings and invest them or put them in a Roth IRA account. And that's important for first gen staff. And then um, out of the other 50%, 25% of it, I would give it to my um, um, dad to start a real estate business for me. But, um, yeah. Okay. And then the Jeep. Yeah, and then I would just save the rest into a regular savings account and probably take a trip to Bor Bor. Hmm. The specifics. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Um. Hmm. I think the first thing I would do is purchase a house for my grandparents um, to enjoy life in their 60s and 70s and and then I would take my mom on a vacation in Italy for like a month or however long and then I would probably invest some of it because I am a business major and I am also first gen and that is important um, and then put myself to to law school because law school is expensive and then I can rest assured with the fact that my public service career is going to be fine if I work for a bunch of nonprofits and NGOs and I don't have to be paid that much or at all because I have this like I'm set up my cost of living is okay okay I think the first thing that I would do I would finally go to China I go to China because I started taking Chinese in middle school I took it in high school, and it was my foreign language in college, too. Oh. But I've never been. So I'd go, and I'd put my skills to the test. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, that's all she wrote. That's all I have. I want to thank you, Krufa and Khalees, for coming on the show. You guys have been great guests. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about how your experiences this summer and next month for you, um, how they go for you guys. And we wish you all the best. So thank you all for coming. Thank you for listening. Shout out to Beyond the Bell Tower. And shout out to Pharaoh 27 Creative Media, and especially a shout out to the one and only Corey Flagler, who's been doing the editing and the shooting of all of this. So we're here, we'll hear more from him uh, when that time comes. But we want to thank all of you for tuning in and for all of your support. And we'll see you next time. Peace. TRIO Student Support Services Program and Student Support Services STEM are federally funded college retention and completion programs. These programs focus on academic, personal, and career support for under-resourced undergraduate students. At TRIO SSS and SSS STEM, our mission is helping our students to reach their goals. We are currently accepting new students to our program. Apply today. Go to www.ncsu.edu to learn more about student support services at NC State.